guys. Welcome to Deconstructing Damsels. I am your host, Jessica Hannon, and I'm discussing the final episode of 2020. You'll find a little bit of a different setup this week because I asked Twitter and Instagram and Facebook if anyone wanted to offer their favorite books of 2020. It didn't need to be published in 2020, just a book that made them feel and it just made them happy. And I have answers. So in between the little different sections, you will actually find some recommendations because I think, why not? It's been a really crappy year, guys. And the best thing we can do in life is to be happy right now because the world may not be on fire, <laughs> but it's definitely still smoldering right now. And there's a lot we have to go through. So why not? That being said, I have a few little areas I'm going to be talking about too, a little housekeeping. I want to talk about how 2020 has gone for the podcast. Like listeners and patrons, you guys have been amazing. You know, I am, I'm so lucky. I've gained patrons that I didn't know even really cared. And you guys offer so much help. And I want to thank the Elm Sisters, which is Dee Dee and Jade. I also want to thank Carrie, Kelly, and Marlene. And one day I will get your name right. But the point being, <laughs> I really want to thank you guys for helping out and offering some kind of way of helping my podcast go. <laughs> Hopefully by now you guys have all received your Christmas letters, or not really Christmas, but Christmassy letters because I kind of popped them in the mail late considering you're all in the U.S. <laughs> we know how the U.S. system is going right now so I didn't know if I should put in a Christmas card or not. But ultimately you know this so this year has been pretty crazy on my end and the amount of help and the amount of positivity that I received from the community has been amazingly it's helped my heart in ways I don't know if I can describe to you guys and I don't know if I should but it definitely helped me and I it means a lot and I know that you guys took a really big risk coming back to listen to me like four months when I took this last break I know I've had a trouble doing that before and sometimes it makes me makes me feel maybe not the best podcaster but I appreciate this one most certainly because it gave my heart time to heal and it, I'm finding happiness and I'm finding new ways of expressing myself and, you know, interacting with y'all and those four months were so necessary and I read so many books. I owe like, I owe like that four month quarantine break on Patreon and I will get to it soon. I promise you, I've got a whole list somewhere in my head of what I read because I don't know if I still have the actual physical list because I was actually writing it down. But thank you. You know, it, it means a lot. And I say this every episode and I will say this until my last episode and I will say it probably after that as well. Having enjoyment and faith and listening to what someone has to say is a huge it's a huge deal to me and so you guys listening and 
just the interaction means so much. That's why I'm always like, hey, you want to do this? Want to do this? This is that's exactly why we have the different transition pieces, right? Because my podcast, this podcast, is shaped entirely by what you guys want to hear about. And I learned so much by looking at the numbers, what what goes through, what doesn't, like, you know, how many listens this gets, how many listens, that tells me a lot. And that kind of help is amazing. And I want to genuinely say thank you. And in the next couple of months, I am going to be in language school again. We've had the last month out because we've been trying to like lower the numbers here where I am in Germany and there's been a whole lot going on, but it means a lot. And so having people step up and be like, okay, I can record this very quickly. And so I have content for you guys in 2020 and it's going to be a very interesting year because there's a lot of different discussions and, and conversations that I really haven't really had before on the podcast, but you know, I can't wait to share it with you. And if you're a patron, then you will also get some bonus features that I hadn't really planned on. But you guys, when I put that call out to answer the what would be the best way of adding content to my patrons and content here and stuff, you know, the one thing that I found really interesting was feedback said yes to the Harlequin. You know, a category, I call it Harlequin, but it's actually a category. I'm going to call it Category Corner because I have like, I think, five or six books I'm going to read that I've bought recently. And I'm going to have them throughout the year and just have like a little flashback, you know, to, to what was going on during that time and stuff like that. I have a whole plan on that. Because, y'all, there's one more bonkers than Romancing the Stone. And, hmm, hmm, hmm. So, <laughs> I can't wait to do that. And also, you know, I found that, that people wanted to listen to me talk about German romance. Like, not just the books, because I'm the reading thing takes a minute. But I'm getting better. But also, I can watch it. And when you know the beats of, of a soap opera, like there are certain beats that always happen no matter where you are in the world, I can watch it and I can talk about it. And I can't wait because there's there's actually a lot. Like, like there's one like nighttime soap opera called Der Berg, Doctor. And it's been going on for a while. And it was actually like an old category style romance back in the day. And they turned it into a show and it's been great. And I've you know, been enjoying watching it and I can't wait to see the next season because last season ended with an interesting little cliffhanger, which is, you know, 2020 and the beginning of it. So I don't know it'll be filmed. But anyway, I have all these things I can talk about and all these things I can communicate with. And, you know, you guys are trusting me to do that. So hot damn. Thank you for that. Now, I'm going to take a short break and let you listen to some recommendations and then when you come back I am going to review a whole different story because right now I have Kindle Unlimited and I can get access to stories that I couldn't normally get without having to buy them like outright and so I want to do something light and fluffy contemporary but not set in America right because sometimes you want to change that but I will recommend that Tessa Dare had a new little short come out. It's like a little like 50 page short story. I'm not covering it, 
but you should go read it because it's probably gonna be the like thing you're gonna the last you're gonna get for a little while and ha huh? yeah okay so take a break listen up and come back with the next Hi, my name is Andrea Martucci, and I'm the host of Shelf Love, a romance novel podcast that unpacks why we love romance and how it helps us understand our own identity and existence. One of my favorite romance reads this year was Harbor by Rebecca Weatherspoon. It's the third book in her Beards and Bondage series, and it's about the relationship between Brooklyn, Shaw, and Vaughn. A crime against Brooklyn's fiancé and Shaw and Vaughn's partner leaves them all grieving, and their shared trauma also brings them together. I love this book and highly recommend it because the communication on page is truly lovely to witness. It's super sexy and is a fantastic example of positive polyamorous relationship representation and romance, and we witness the emotional evolution of each of their relationships with each other. I highly recommend that you check out Harbor by Rebecca Weatherspoon. Hi, my name's Melanie Duncan. I'm a romance reviewer for Library Journal. For 2020, I would like to recommend Alyssa Cole's How to Catch a Queen. It involves the character Shanti and the character of Sanyu, who are in an arranged marriage. Sanyu has just become king of his country, and Shanti has known since she was a young girl that she planned to be queen somewhere. So you have the arranged marriage trope, but you have a very strong woman who knows her place and what she wants to do in society. You have a king that's not quite sure of what he's doing, but a woman who's willing to help him find his place. And the romance between them is just honestly hot. Um, I highly recommend this book. And if you've never read Alyssa Cole before, you should read everything she's written. This is book one of her Runaway Royal series. It does tie into some previous books of hers, but it can be read as a standalone to start a new series. So I hope you'll give it a try and it'll make your 2020 better. So now, after this amazing wreck, we are going to talk about New Year's at the Barley Mow. And I think you're going to find it pretty interesting, especially if you like things like Bridget Jones. Are we ready to talk about the novella? Because I am. I didn't tell anyone I was reading it because I didn't know which one I was going to pick, honestly. I've been kind of like reading some and not reading others. But this is uh, Emma Westwood and it's New Year's at the Barley Mow. And it's kind of like a novella within her series. I haven't read them, so I'm not entirely sure. And I will admit I was a little lost here and there, but... For like, you know, 60 pages, it was a very quick read. It was very easy. I was definitely down for it. The lead character, Evie, I love the name, by the way. Evie is just such a name for me because we all know I'm in, like, lust with the mummy. So Evie works for me. And, but what I really like about Evie is the fact that, you know, she's very into Christmas. Like, it's it's a thing for her and it's something she greatly enjoys like she decorates her house and you know she makes sure that things run smoothly around the office at Christmas and you know she's been working there for 20 years or so and it's just it's this really interesting idea because at 20 years I mean she's roughly around my age at 36 and I'm like 39 so same-ish age close enough in generations and stuff and I just I find it very interesting because it's set in England at, around Christmas time 
and New Year's, obviously, because point of the episode. But what I really liked is I like that Evie has this kind of joy about the holiday that, like, to the point that her co-workers have a betting pool about which is the first Christmas sweater of the year she's going to wear. And I just, I laughed because it feels, it's small town, right? Because I, I read, a, you read a fair amount of small towns, or you see a fair amount of small towns on Hallmark and Lifetime and all those kind of movies. But this one felt a little bit different because it felt more European small town. Like, you know, kind of like what you find almost in like a historical romance, you know, the big manors and then all the, the towns around it. And so I appreciated that. And I appreciated the fact that like, it's a restaurant business and it's a, you know, brewery and, you know, there, there's a bunch of different things that kind of work together for it. And I just, I found that really cool. And, you know, she talks about like her boss is like, well, I had a bet. And she's like, how much did you put on the bet? And it was this way. Evie unbuttoned her coat and revealed a dark blue tunic top covered in a white and silver snowflakes. Cherry whooped with glee. I knew it. The most bets were on a new jumper, but you got a new jumper last year. The penguin with the Santa hat on. And you only tend to get a new top every couple years or so. Should I go and do a catwalk through reception? Then the girls on the front desk can send an inner office email round. No, let them wait a while. Let's see how long it takes before someone from another department finds an excuse to come in and talk to you. And I love that. There's just something very relaxing about it. Like, you know, there, there's no big bet. It's like 50 cents. It's nothing really big. But, you know. I find it fun and interesting. It felt comfortable and I love feeling comfortable. And when, you know, her boss, Cherry puts her in charge of the office party because the new office manager from last year did a really bad job of assigning departments and, you know, inner inner department offices and it just it did not work to say the least. It was just it was bad. So Evie's like, Okay, well let's go back to the other way we were working it and then apparently like she gets the job of working and helping to open a restaurant just before Christmas which hmm, I'm not sure how well that will do but I mean it's fiction so why am I worrying about it too much and you know like she does things like set up the interpost office for the secret Santas and stuff like that I, I thought it was just it was a really nice way of doing things and they bought this property. They were like, someone else was going to flip it, but it didn't turn out that way. And they destroyed all the beautiful, like, historic elements because it was a historical building. And I'm just like, God, that drives me crazy, guys. It just drives me crazy. So much crazy. Because I love it when I see something from the era that it was built still around. Right? Like, there's just something very timeless in that oddly enough because like I know like I guess living in Germany I see it more because you'll see like a newer building next to you know a 250 year old building or older and yet they work because they build things to match and it's it's a really nice way they do things it hurt my heart when they said they got rid of the roses I don't even like roses y'all roses are not my favorite flower they have never been my favorite flower but just getting rid of the climbing roses and, and the ambiance and the view. And then, then you meet like a chef that is hired. It's a cousin, family member of the owners. And he's like, 
amazing. And apparently she got drunk at, at one point in the past year or so and said, you know, he asked, like, does he know how good he looks? And obviously this is a love interest, but it was like, it was very interesting because Gregor is talking about the food and she's like completely unaware. And he's like, we want traditional dishes using local produce. We aren't interested in awards. We just want to provide fantastic food at an affordable price. Valid. I'll take it. Like, that's the kind of food I like. So I was kind of already warming up to this novella and we're only like 20% in at this point because I'm like, but he's making food I want to eat. He, and then she describes him a little bit. The author does and goes, he leaned back in his chair and undid the top two buttons of his chef white jacket and folded it away from his skin, exposing the tattoo on his upper chest, which went partially up his neck that appeared to be a thistle and part of a unicorn. And apparently he's covered in tattoos from what I remember. I don't remember everything on them, but it was very clear that they mean stuff. And Gregor, by the way, is Scottish. Hot damn. Anyway, we all know, we all know Romance Landia kind of like, huh, for a Scottish accent, right? But it's just, it's very interesting because she's like, you know, in like with this guy, she thinks he's hot. He makes her lady parts go, whoo But the thing is, she's also efficient at her job. And so like, she's always got these cards for, oh, you can contact this person or this person. And this is why she makes a really great assistant and, and like it's more of an executive assistant more than just like you know like maybe an admin system admin assistant one or somewhere like she's she's the top of the group like she's moving up in this company after 20 years because she started out as like a server and like dish person you know like so she was she did her due diligence in this job and it was just very interesting and they were having trouble finding Things that were in the budget and things that worked because the plates he really wanted didn't, but they had to stay in budget. And we all know budgets go crazy when you're opening a restaurant. So, you know, she's always helping him and she's like, well, I found this here and this here. Like she's talking about how she's like, just get white plates. And he's like, but they're plain. And she's like, yeah, but it makes sense because if you break them, or if something happens, it's easy to replace it and you can use that money somewhere else. And she mentions that, one of the craft stalls at the Sugar and Spice event at the brewery a few weeks ago was a guy who did resin art and coasters. If you wanted a unique plating experience, what about an epoxy resin placemat? They could be marbled with the colors of your choice or kept clear and inlaid with dry local herbs and flowers, maybe apple blossoms or hops. You could have the budget for it now. And he's like, it's something I'd like to see the samples of and discuss with my uncle. He would have final approval. And she's like, cool, cool, cool. That's fine because his uncle owns it which means he's Cherry's cousin. And she's just like, okay, that's fine. And then he all, she also mentions that like there were, you know, there's someone that could make desserts. And so she hands him that card. And of course, that's like a little side plot in the end because the dessert lady is hitting on him and he's like all about Evie. Gregor's all about Evie. But, but what I liked is that there was competency and you know, I really, really like competency in my characters. It's like a thing. And so I was so happy to find that. And then it just, it seems like, you know, they were, they didn't, they were hesitant. They didn't want to change anything. And then like, Cherry's like, well, you know, if you do a good job with this, we'd like to move you up, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, it's just very comforting. And like, you know, she sees her boss, Mr. Buckle, Brockleberry, Buckleberry, Berry, Brockleberry. We'll go with that one. But, you know, she sees him and he's like not dressed up because Due to health issues, he's kind of had to step back and, 
you know, his kids had to step in, so Cherry's had to take more responsibilities, which is how she, how Evie ended up with the restaurant opening and, you know, helping out and stuff like that. And, but it's very nice to see how, you know, relaxed they are and how close they are. And I just, I appreciated the fact that it felt a little bit like a family because in one of the last episodes of uh, Faded Mates for the Year, they talk about the family, like the family you're born into and, you know, the connections and stuff like that. And this is where I think there's probably a little bit more of a connection because Evie is not related to these people, but Gregor is. So I think that's the family aspect. But you can really see how they start to think of the employees a bit as family too. And there's just like this moment of Evie and Gregor are attracted to each other. And she's like, I don't date coworkers. And he's like, great. And she's like, you know, embarrassed. And he's like, I, I don't expect. And he's like, what? And with that, the most terrible timing, like, you know, they're at her house because he's come around for some reason. And so the doorbell rings. And of course, it's interrupted. And she's like, I don't, she's thinking, I don't expect you to like me because I'm not that, that kind of, I don't inspire that. And normally this makes me roll my eyes. I want to chuck the book out the door. But I think in her situation, it makes sense because she's not part of the family, but she is in a weird way. And I think that it can bolster, but it can also damage too, because you don't know where you always stand because like she was very insecure in the beginning of the book. And I think that she eventually finds her footing and she does, but you know, there are moments where you feel vulnerable and you don't feel like you're a part of something and you don't feel like you're worth it. And let's be real. These people are obviously not poor if they own like a brewery and they own like a restaurant. And I think there's like a restaurant in the brewery and I get to feeling there's like two or three other, you know, divestment opportunities there. So, I mean, it's clear that they know what they're doing and they have some money. And, you know, Gregor is... You know, he's like, well, I, I wanted to be here, but I can't. I go home on Christmas. And she's like, the moment between them had passed. And while there was no longer an air of tension and Evie looked more at ease, she looked determined and Gregor had no intention of speaking until she had said whatever she was about to say. He didn't, however, anticipate her saying, if you're not busy, there is a Christmas market in town. I was going to pop along. Would you like to go with me? I could drive. And he's just like, wait, what? So we're kind of going on a date and I loved the scene I've never been to a Christmas market and I'm so I'm still pissed off <laughs> at the pandemic on pretty high levels about this because I really wanted to go to the Christmas markets here in Germany and this Christmas market that she described is amazing like there's like stalls of food and there's places to buy presents and it's all these things I wish I had and I almost had, because there's a huge market where I live, apparently, and I don't get to see it this year. I got to see it next year because, you know, nature hates us and people, other people really hate other people, but that's not the point. And so, but it's just this really nice way of doing it. And then he like, there's this scene where she's trying to get on his motorcycle and she's just having so many issues with it. She just cannot figure it out. And he is just like, I mean, if we need to, we can go in your car. And she's like no, damn it, I'm, we're going, and we're going to do it, and there was something very, like, relatable to that moment, because I think we've all done that, and I just, I loved that, and I loved how, you know, he, she, like, gets taught things, you know, the signals to tell him to do this, that, and the other, since he's on the motorcycle, 
And she's like, this is how he describes it. So he's like, brace your foot on the passenger peg. You see it? She looked about and noticed a protruding piece of metal and figured that must be it. Yes. So left foot on that, put your hand on my shoulder and swing your other leg over. It seemed to be taking a while and he could feel the bike shifting about. What's going on back there? I'd like to tell you, but I'm not entirely certain. Think of it like a bicycle. You've ridden a bicycle before, haven't you? Yes, but not in years. And then she used to have to tilt the bike at an angle in order to get on to get her leg over the crossbar. Should I be mounting it from the other side? Greg told her encouragingly, you could give it a try. She wasn't any more successful, and he suggested maybe we can take your car after all. Evie couldn't hide the frustration from her voice, even muffled by the helmet. Why can't I do this? What's wrong with me? Don't overthink it. Ignore what I said. Just do whatever works. Maybe the bike is too high or my legs are too short. He said uncomplainingly, come on, give it one more try before we ban this idea for another day. Otherwise, the market will be over before we even get there. No, I can do this. Evie was desperate to get on the bike. It's just a bicycle, a really, really big bicycle. Gregor felt Evie's hands land firmly on both of his shoulders, and he knew she had finally succeeded in getting seating when he heard her happy, triumphant shout. Her arms slid around his waist. Guys, it's like my favorite scene in this whole book. More than the Christmas scenes, and there are some great Christmas market scenes, but, like, there's just something. I felt this scene more than I felt, like, a lot of things in 2020. I just, I get it. I understand it. We got it. Love it. So, I, I thought this was amazing. And I wanted to kind of enjoy that moment, and I did as I read it to you, because it was one of the standout moments in, in the whole novella. And, you know, they go to the market, and they're like, you know, she gets him a present, and you know, it's something that matches what he wants, And because I'm assuming they're both secret Santas for each other, and it's just this really nice way of, of things working out. And eventually, you know, he gets her something for secret Santa, but we find out about that later. And I just, I really enjoyed the fact that, like, you know, she... There's just something about the way she's written and the way I can understand her. And maybe those of us that have ever had to deal with that can, like, that competency is required because it has to be. But that doesn't mean you have to be confident about it. And she's like that throughout the the novel. Like, she knows what she needs to do. She gets it done. And it's just this great thing. And Gregor appreciates that about her. Like, he finds that sexy and hot and amazing. And he ain't the only one, let's be fair. And I love how that works out. And, you know, she got really tired about not being able to share the Christmas holidays, you know, with another partner. Because, you know, as she put it, she's like, unfortunately, I couldn't Barely find a man who wanted a third date with me, let alone someone committed enough to have a family with me. And it's very clear she wants a family and she wants that connection and she doesn't have one. And I just, I love the way it works out. You know, it's, it's a really great connection that they have going. And I just, I feel like, you know, her inviting him to the office party is what makes him go. But she's like, I know you're going to be away, and but maybe I'll show up. And it's this whole thing. Because, well, there's the Christmas party, and then there's New Year's Eve party, I should say. He, he can't go to the New Year's Eve party, obviously. But the Christmas party is on, because that's where we're going to exchange the gifts and stuff. And it's just there's something that really works, I think. And he is so into her in a way that makes so much sense. Because it's not, like, overwritten. And, you know, there, there's not any sex or any really 
kissing either. It's pretty like, it, I mean, it's very much like a Hallmark movie in that way. And, but I appreciate that. And, you know, but there's something very connected to it. And I have to go back a bit to the Christmas. Sorry, guys, I forgot this in the Christmas market. They're describing what they're eating. And they ended up at a small German stall selling um, glue vine, bratwurst hot dogs, and kartoffel pepper, which Evie had never heard of, but Gregor assured her she would enjoy. It turned out to be a fried potato pancake made of grated potato, rather like a roasty, and heaped with applesauce. Initially, Evie was dubious, but after just one bite, she set about devouring it. It was warming and filling and exactly what she needed. It was savory and sweet, and it should have been all kinds of wrong, but it was oh so right. Y'all, I live in Germany. That's what we... When I talk about a puffer, that's what I mean. So good. And it's not, you know... Uh, I talked about it in the eight cozy nights, but I'm going to talk about it again for a second. Because, like, the roasty is actually another word you find here locally for it. And I guess she just never heard of a puffer. Because there's a couple of other names. Um, there's a... I can't think of it, but there's, like, a local one to the North Rhine-Westphala area, which is where I live now. And, you know, there's something very connected with that. And I love the fact that, that it's a German, <laughs> it's a German market stall in England considering the bloodline of the British royal family. This just tickles me pink. But anyway, so we have to go back, I guess, to the party. And so they have the party and it's great. And it's just like she gets this part she gets her present and she's just like what the hell could this be and she goes utterly stumped by what the mystery gift could be she parted the sheets of crumpled paper to reveal what looked like a snowy roof of a house she pulled the ornament out wondering what who on earth from the office would remember she set up a village display each year and in fact she couldn't even remember mentioning it at work for that matter and why they would spend over the stipulated budget as it was a clearly an expensive, finely crafted item that was like a five dollar, five pound, or three pound, or whatever limit. She goes, when she turned it over in her hand, she saw the ornament she held was not a house, but actually a pub with a small stack of wooden cask beside the door, complete with a little sign painted with the words "Ye Old Pub," which jutted out from the wall. And she knew there was only one person that could buy it, and that's Gregor. And to me, that's like, to me, like all the other romance stuff, that to me says everything. Because he was paying attention to her decorating, but he was also paying attention to her. And she was doing the same with him by getting him an ornament that reminded him of her and her of him and all that kind of stuff. And so she got, you know, a, an ornament that matched one of his um, tattoos. And so there's something very fulfilling about that, especially, you know, for the new year and for Christmas and starting anew. Those little moments make everything matter. Like when my husband sent me Richard Sport that was seasonal from Germany to America and the mail. And I got it. I was like, I almost squeed basically because I wasn't expecting it because I loved British sport when he brought it to me when he came to visit the first time. But you know, he was paying attention and those kind of little moments matter. And I think it has the same feeling to this. Right. And you know, like this was during the, I guess the opening of the presents was during, uh, the New Year's Eve party instead of the Christmas party because, you know, they, he talks about like, you know, at Christmas he was at home, they played some board games, they went for walks, you know, they did the falling asleep on the television, you know, like the normal family things. And then, you know, 
Becca had organized a massive Christmas get-together at the farmyard cottage with um, David and his parents and all her family, her brothers and girlfriends, including Cherry, and the invitation had even generously been extended to include Cherry's parents. Evie could only imagine the mounds of food groaning on the table. Well, I guess I should say that's Cherry's family, but like it seems to me that that's what like Gregor's family does as well. It's, there's something very happy and fulfilling and like I don't know any of these people in the story. <laughs> Like, I know nobody. I've never read this woman before, but I'm willing to give her a try because I like the way that this is written. It reminds me of some of the, like, Harlequins I used to read that would come over that were obviously, you know, a Mills and Boone reprint in the U.S. or whatever. And it really worked for me. There's something very comforting about the fact that, like, Cherry and the other women in the family invite Evie, not because of... Evie, like, possibly dating Gregor, but just because they're friends, and I think that matters. I, I love a found family as much as I love, like, a regular family, and I think they did a really good job of that. And then when, you know, Gregor shows up, like, just a few minutes before New Year's, and he's there, and she's outside, and she's just kind of, like, sad because there's no one there once again to kiss her for New Year's, and he shows up. It's just, oh, it was such a good feeling. It was a fantastic short story, and I loved it. And he goes, I, well, I want to start the new year as I mean to go on. And how is that? He, caught, he cradled her face in his hands. By kissing you, Evie, lass. She heard a chorus of Happy New Year ring out as his lips met hers, and she couldn't help but smile. He lifted her slightly, and he slipped her arms about his neck. And fifth night is over, and the whole thing is done, but there's something very, like, comforting about the fact that in the it's not only an epilogue but it's the end of of the scenes where they're still having the girls night together and they get together and they do all kinds of things and Gregor comes over and brings like a literally like a homemade pizza for the girls before he goes back to work and there's just something very solid about it and I, I love it so I'm going to highly recommend this if you want something that's light and airy and feels comfortable so it's New Year's at the Barley Mall by Emma Westwood. I read this through Kendall U because I was like, I, I need something to end the year on. And now I have. <laughs> so next up, I will talk about a few other things. But first, have a short break and listen to more recommendations of books in 2020 that help people have a happy moment. Caitlin Lynch here to rave about The Love Study, a wonderful romantic comedy by Chris Ripper. I've been trying to read more diversely and particularly more own voices stories this year, and I'm so glad I did because I discovered The Love Study. With a genderqueer protagonist, it's sex positive, but the bedroom scenes are closed door, which worked so well to avoid dwelling on what body parts Sydney may or may not have been in possession of. It's a fun, quirky, charming rom-com, and I'm really looking forward to whatever Chris Ripper writes next. You can find me at CaitlinLynch.com or on Twitter as CaitlinLynch6. Hi! Jessica here, but I am reading for Allie Williams because her rec was There are so many, but Chasing Elliot by Stephanie Simpson was brilliant, a furiously angry heroine, disability and trans rep that isn't a plot device, and a found family that I want to be a part of.
You can find Allie at CL Aficionado on Twitter. That's where I connect with her. And Allie Williams is awesome. She will also be appearing on one of the episodes coming up soon about the amazing movie Penelope. So, what did you think of that review? I mean, you tell me. Was it great? Was it not so great? Do you think I really talked about Christmas enough and the fact that I want a freaking latka? Calming down. I still want my latka. But I also want a puffer. And thankfully I can go get the puffer out of the freezer, so we're good there. I also figured out the name of the of the product. It is, in fact, a Rybakushin, which is also known as a puffer. But I know it is that name because of where I am in the North Rhine Westphalia, and I think it's amazing. Anyway, I seriously will get off of potatoes, I promise, at some point, but it's like the time of year where potatoes are my <laughs> are my life in more ways than one. That being said, let us discuss <laughs> what I plan for 2020 when it comes to content. I know I talked a little bit about it before, but I want to get a little bit more into it. So I've noticed that I haven't been reading as much inclusive and diverse work, and I apologize. I actually have been reading it. I just may not have been covering it on the podcast due to commitments and things like that. However, I have plans to stop waffling and to start putting my money where my mouth is. And I don't mean that I'm just going to like grab whatever I see. I trust certain authors and I trust certain recommendations. And so I'm going to start actually listening to that a little bit more. I've also started watching more booktube and I had no idea there was a whole romance section of that. And I'm like, oh, this is great. That actually goes to Jess Owens with her community book tea, honestly, because I started like finding things around there because the algorithm said, oh, you would like this. And I was like, you're right, I would. So I'm fully planning on updating that and making that a little bit more, not diverse and inclusive for the sake of it. I hate that. I hate it when people talk like that. But what I mean is like diverse and inclusive of like, there are so many things that I could be covering that I'm just ignoring. And I think it's wrong and I've been thinking about it for a while just so everyone is clear this is not something like oh it's the end of the year let's no this is something I'm thinking about the past like two or three months so I've realized it but I was on the trajectory and it was really hard to kind of veer off that trajectory at the, at the moment so I'm planning on adding more books that are interesting and maybe not necessarily my preferred area like I don't really read a lot of I don't mind like antagonist antagonist romance, but I don't like enemies to lovers, for instance. It's not really my favorite. Like the closest I can get to that would be like something that's along the lines of Benedict and Beatrice from Much Ado About Nothing. I like that style of of enemies to lovers where there's layers to it, right? And not just like other kind of stuff. And I realize I'm not reading a lot of contemporary, so that is on my list. And when I say contemporary, <laughs> I mean anything from like 1975 on because I read a lot of historical and I know you guys. So just know that I'm aware of this failing on my part. Not failing, but lack of in inclusion in what people are listening for because this is not only a historical romance podcast, no matter how much my brain thinks it is sometimes. I'm also going to be looking to adding more movies. And I am so lucky that the people that I, I was talking about in the beginning where they were talking about you know, adding 
their their opinions on movies and stuff like that. I'm so glad because sometimes that's going to be the easiest thing for me because it's going to be really hard for me to read a lot right now. And honestly, rom-coms are kind of really important in the genre because we see, you know, writers like Tessa Dare and others writing, you know, a romantic comedy feel. So I, I want to include those because I think it's important in how our how our community evolves and evolved into different kind of of rom-coms and I love Nora Ephron much to probably Allie from Romance Ever After's cringe but I can't help it it is what it is but I also love others like you know I want to talk about <laughs> I don't know if anyone's ever seen the movie French Kiss with uh, Meg Ryan and Kevin Klein. it's still <laughs> maintained it as one of my favorites I don't know how much it becomes a rom-com but to me it kind of falls in that line because it's like the whole system and the whole setup and the the, the way the the hero and the heroine interact is just very much in my speed of, of what I enjoy. So I want to talk about those kind of movies and thankfully you guys seem to be okay with it and I have people willing to watch movies with me. And I know I have not forgotten that there is an Ever After episode coming. But I have pushed that to April because I still have to find the right software so I can have a bunch of people on that wanted to watch it. Because I had a huge answer and a huge like, oh, I want to do it. I was like, okay, we can do that. Like, we'll find a way. I don't know how. That's why I pushed it. So basically, April is just going to be Cinderella month for that purpose. Literally just to make that happy. And I actually have another Cinderella story I'm going to be talking about, and I can't wait because I have to read it, but I can't wait it to read it because I really enjoy that kind of stuff. I, I enjoy the kind of like seeminess. I don't know if you've noticed, but kind of make more themes than not sometimes. And I have a whole selection. Some may change, some may not. We'll see. Like there's a whole month just for lust. And y'all know I don't read steamy, so told you, outside my box. I'm going outside my box. You know, 2020 has taught me a lot about what the podcast should be doing and what it shouldn't be doing. And one thing that seems to be working really well is, you know, being on Twitter. And I keep forgetting about Instagram and I have a Facebook page and everything. I just forget about them 99% of the times because it's harder to interact than it is with Twitter. It's so much easier for me to, to you know, chat with you guys on Twitter and that's pretty much the only focuses I can do on social media. I could never do a TikTok or a Discord or anything like that. I, just, I couldn't. Guys, for one thing, my computer and my phone equally do not like Discord. That's one right there. But I, I enjoy the fan interaction and the fandom and how we communicate. And, you know, there's a reason why I can't wait to talk about spoiler alert, which, you know, I'm that's in the can. <laughs> like, that's recorded and being recorded but and it'll come out next year in 2021 but some of the things I liked about it was I could I could see the little the way we all kind of come together and interact and I love that about it and I hope you guys will like that too now before I keep getting blathery I will give you another break so you can hear more recommendations because I have got a ton of them and again I want you guys to like listen to them all because the variety is pretty interesting and wild. Hi this is Diana from Happily Ever Aftermath. My recommendation is Well Met by Jen DeLuca 
It came out in 2019, but I didn't pick it up until March of this year. It takes place at a Ren Faire, but I myself was drawn in by the hate to love element of the story. What I really like about this book is that it helped me discover that I'm a really big fan of watching people bloom when they're in their element. Uh, in this instance, it just happens to be English teacher becomes pirate. If any of that is up your alley, I encourage you to check it out. So I know everyone has been doing the top 20, the top 10s, like best reads, whatever, you know, between podcasting, blogging, YouTubing, all that kind of stuff. And I didn't want to do that. So instead of doing my top reads, again, hey, all the recommendations exist for a reason. But I also wanted to talk about the best podcast episodes I've listened to this year, ones that have made me think and have made me have ideas. And I limited it to one per show. But I, you know, if I didn't, I have more. And all that information will be blog content only because it's like 22 episodes of recommendations. And I don't think you guys want to listen to me talk for the next like three hours about that. So you can find things like, you know, romance, books, you know, the genre itself, you've got history. So what can you learn from these podcasts? Well, you can learn about women who kick all of the ass. <laughs> you know, you've got queens, you've got women who changed culture. The point is, is like you've got women that are being badasses in some way. And sometimes it's really silly being a badass. Like there is a batshit crazy episode of Heaving Bosoms on this list. And, you know, there are feel good episodes of, you know, books with like boobies and newbies and Too Stupid to Live. And you've got, you know, a lesbian representation that I've been very bad about reading, even though I've read it and I haven't talked about it much. And that's by a tip of the tongue, you know, like, the romance has been covered a lot and in many different ways. And I think that it's important to document all this because what we read, who we are, is shaped around the world around us and we respond to it. I mean, Stephanie Burgess said that about her whole, you know, Harwood world was about what happens if it was women in charge. Would anything really change? And I think that that's important, and so I wanted to talk about that a little bit, bit more, and so I hope you guys will read it. I will link it below, and I think it will be very fun for you, I hope anyway, <laughs> to, you know, read about what kind of made me stop and think, and, you know, I spent a lot of time coding that thing. <laughs> I also linked to some other podcasts that I have been on and I did it for me because I did it as deconstructing damsels as well. Like I made sure that it was all linked together. So I am hoping that you will read up because honestly, every episode that I recommend has a direct link to that specific episode. So you guys can go directly to it. Why not? Like why make life more difficult than it needs to be? <laughs> That's my motto. That's the whole point of all this branding as damsels podcast, right? It's the same idea. Ease is always better than not ease. <laughs> and then you guys will have one more break before you can hear my recommendation. But before that, I have a few more other recommendations that others believe in. 
Hi, this is Bex Goose. Some people know me as the Potato Lady podcast reviewer, but I also do a podcast called Not Again, with an exclamation point, with my husband. I would like to recommend a book called Dance with the Devil by Sherilyn Kenyon. Now, I... I want you to know that this is part of a series and you might need to read the first book in the series to understand like where it's coming from, whatever. But basically, Sherilyn Kenyon decided that she was going to write really steamy romance novels uh, with um, sexy vampires meet the Greek gods, but with very poor knowledge of Greek mythology. And I love this book because it's like a genuinely fun adventure and like just good, like trashy romance and and. And I got into it for sure. But also some of the writing is really like cringy. Like it's so bad. It's good. And in, the, in one sex scene, the male lead actually undresses himself twice. Like she forgot he'd already taken off his clothes. And that is just so fun to me. So that's why I think that Dance with the Devil is a good book. Hi, I'm Adele Buck. I'm recommending Therese Beharie's One Day to Fall. It has some of my favorite things a new-to-me place to explore, her own home of Cape Town, South Africa, an utterly prickly heroine who is also utterly lovable, seriously, Therese is so good at this, and humor, all on a 24-hour timeline, a bonbon of a book. Hey guys, so I think we're finally done with the episode. Yay! It's gonna be like an hour long and I figure you guys have your own lives to live because it's New Year's, and while we can't go party, that doesn't mean the party can't come to our house. So hopefully you guys have a good New Year's. You guys start happy. You know, 2021 offers more reading opportunities and more chances to find something new to be a part of and to really enjoy and just, I don't know, be happy. That's my whole, that's my whole wish for you guys. Every time I end is you guys to be happy, even a little moment, even with yourself. It it matters to me, especially. You guys can find me on the usual haunt <laughs> at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Damsels Podcast. You can also email at damselspodcast at gmail.com. You can also find a whole website <laughs> called damselspodcast.com. Y'all, seriously, branding. I got you unlocked. And there is a merch store. I don't talk about it often enough because I am silly. But it is there. And it is at tpublic.com slash user slash damsels podcast, I think. Anyway, it'll be linked below and in the description. So that way, if you guys want something, you can find it. I have a few ideas of merch still coming in my head. I have to make it, make it out. Also, patrons, be on the lookout because in this next quarter, you should have a new product coming your way. And it's just for patrons because that's how I roll. But I also want to say this before I go. You know, Blush Magazine is this amazing way of communicating in our community without having to go too far outside of it right because I remember when it first started and the it, it was this huge explosion and then as everything does in the world of romance things die down but I definitely think you guys should go to blush magazine and they've had a lot of really cool exclusive information you know sometimes it's nice to have our own little 
e-zines of sort, right? Like sometimes it's nice to have our own places. So hopefully you guys will check that out. And one last thing, if you guys want to do body bookworms, <laughs> if you go to Damsel69, you will get $7 off your first purchase. And it's kind of amazing because honestly, who doesn't like really want a sex toy with some of the things we read? Like it doesn't, I mean, I'm just saying romance and sex kind of go hand in hand and you don't always have to have a partner to have that. Now, granted, not everybody does or needs that. And that's cool too. But I know the, okay, I'm going to try to say this name again. I've messed it up every time. But Ten Kim Lam does a really good job. And then I know I just murdered her name. And I'm really sorry. I know how to say your name. I promise. But the brain and the mouth don't always go together. But I do try. But I wanted to give you guys a shout out for that. And it's the beginning of the new year. And you might as well end on an endorphin high. Right? Right. I mean, if she can send it to me in Germany, she can definitely get it to you guys as soon as the United States Postal Service opens back up. <laughs> okay, guys. I will see you in the new year. About mid-January will be the first episode of the podcast because, quite frankly, it's been a very busy couple of years. And I don't know about you guys or months, but I could use a break. Now stay tuned for my recommendation for 2020. Won't surprise you too much, but it may. Hi, I'm Eve Pendle. My book of 2020 is Sword Dancer by Jeannie Lin. Competence is sexy, and Li Feng and Han are at the top of their thieving and thief-catching games, respectively. Now, enemies to lovers and a pursuit can easily turn toxic, but this really isn't, and I just loved how intensely they feel and also how respectful of each other they are. So, yeah, 2013 is the best thing from 2020. The audio is also fantastic. Okay, so I'm breaking my own rules on my own recommendations, and I'm offering two. Two, even though I told everyone else one, and that is because... There was a late runner into the into this section. So first, I want to definitely give all the credit to Alyssa Cole's Let It Shine, which I read early in the year. It was like, I think, one of the first books of the season. And with this being the end of season two and season three starting next year, I wanted to kind of, you know, make sure that it was included because the writing was so profoundly like it went into my heart do you know what i mean like it just it made my whole world be happy and it's entirely because of the world that Alyssa cole creates when she creates because she doesn't just talk about the history or the romance she combines it and even though i don't always understand the worlds because i can't imagine them I can still feel like I'm a part of them. And on some level, that one made me feel seen. And I think that's super important for many people, especially as we go through difficult trials in life. And sometimes we need a helping hand. Now, my second <laughs> recommendation is Olivia Dade's spoiler alert. And that is simply because as a fat woman, it is amazing to find someone who writes fat women. And I, I don't mean like, you know, the Hollywood fat, which is like a size six instead of a size zero. But I mean, like someone that has, you know, rolls and curves and, 
you know, things are not always easily positioned right and you may not want to have to wear a Spanx, you know, like that kind of world. And it just, it made me feel seen and that is so important to me. And as I get older, I'm noticing it more and more because in 2021, I turned 40 and I'm realizing I kind of need to focus on that. So that and the fact that it's a fandom love letter, doesn't matter which fandom because many fandoms are the same, even though they're very different. And it's just, it was a lot. It was, it made me very happy. And I have so many notes about joy in there. So those are my two recommendations. Alyssa Cole's Let It Shine and Olivia Dade's Spoiler Alert. You guys should totally check them out. <laughs> so I've decided to stop the second season at the end of this year. It just seems appropriate. It's been going for a while. And I'm opening up season three with kind of a themeless January. It's been a very very long couple of months when it comes to themes and not long badly just long as in my poor husband is probably going to go stir crazy at some point say hi to Sven everybody but I wanted to go ahead and start a little afresh and anew and 2020 is over and done and in the books and by god we all need a little bit new change I've also made the decision to not include the Bridgerton series the Netflix or the Julia Quinn books because there's a lot of consent issues and I mentioned this earlier this year and well in 2020 yeah I mentioned earlier this year that I couldn't reread some books and I did read them and the plot device of you know sexual assault of men it just didn't sit well with me I didn't have a good feeling about it so I'm choosing to take this moment because I think that those kind of books do not belong on my podcast and I'm not going to be talking about it. I know I haven't seen Bridgerton. That makes me somewhat of a hypocrite. Blah, 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 blah. Don't care. Ultimately, my one of my hard lines is no sexual assault and no violation of consent. That's something that I have, you know, said throughout this. And so I'm just going forward. <laughs> if you're ever looking for those books, I'm choosing not to because I did read the Viscount Who Loved Me. I thought it was pretty okay. I actually like I liked it well enough when I read it, but thinking about it, there were a lot of things I didn't necessarily like. I liked the the Shakespeare aspect of Kate, but I did not like any of the other stuff. So I just want to give you a heads up on that as well. If you're looking for discussions, there are plenty of podcasts that have been enjoying it and you know, there are plenty that are watching the show and reading about it and BookTube is full of it and if you if you want recommendations, I can offer it. I just, I'm not going to be covering it. Hi, I'm Kylie Dunbar. I'm an author and you can find me on Twitter at Kylie Dunbar. And my favourite read of 2020 was a book that came out in 2019, actually. And it's called Ice Cream Lover by Jackie Lau. I bet loads of you have read it too. It's beautiful. And it's set in Ginger Scoops, which is the nicest place on the planet. This really cool ice cream parlour where I'd love to go. And in walks gorgeous Drew. He's all heartbroken and traumatised from how his last relationship ended. And Chloe, who's this wonderful, creative, experimental person, uh, she's fabulous. She tempts him uh, into love uh, with her wonderful ice cream flavours. Such a good book. I hope you enjoy it. You'll find different things, obviously, in the next couple months. I have, as I explained in the beginning, I have got some, you know, themes going. And I would like to know what you guys would maybe be a good theme. You know, just drop me an email. 
at damselspodcast at gmail.com or catch me on any of the socials and find out what's going on. And I always forget to add this, but you guys know we have a YouTube, right? Like, it's just the episodes. But on some of the episodes, you can actually see, like, artwork and pictures and stuff like that. It's just Sven and I and, you know, different things that maybe don't always make the, the main cut. Thanks, guys. Be good to yourself. Be kind. No one else has to, but you should always be kind to yourself. Mm-hmm.